Not a matter of if, but when a crisis could rock your world. I'm Rashini Rajkumar, crisis strategist, licensed attorney, and host of The Crisis Files. In each case file, we explore a real-world crisis or a rip from the headlines challenge. My crisis squad and I are here to find solutions. We also talk with thought leaders and insiders who help others navigate these challenges. In all cases, our suggestions are meant to help you handle your own crisis or prevent crises from happening. We do not provide legal, financial, medical, or PR advice for particular situations, but strongly recommend you seek professionals to help with your specific need. Film critic and entertainment reporter Paul McGuire Grimes joins me today as a film reviewer for broadcast media as well as on Paul's trip to the movies site, Paul lands in the center of pop culture and the ups and downs big personalities often face that might set them on the road to cancellation. The critically acclaimed film Tar takes us on the topic of cancel culture through the lens of a world-famous conductor whose life falls apart after her past sexual abuse allegations come to light. The movie stars Kate Blanchett. We see it play out in real life as well, from Mindy Kaling being called out for what some say is a negative portrayal of South Asian women, to DC Comics film star Ezra Miller's recent apology for bad behavior. Cancel culture has ruined careers. Think of former NFL quarterback Colin Kaepernick's kneeling protest during the national anthem. While some people really can cause irreparable harm through their actions, it seems often we're too eager to banish people without taking time to understand the facts behind the attacks. We get into this in the case file I call Cancel Culture Crackdown. Paul, let's start with Mindy Kaling. She is an icon and trailblazer in so many ways. Yeah, so Mindy Kaling, you know, we first got to know Mindy from working on The Office. And since then, she's had a really big career writing and creating TV shows like The Mindy Project, Never Have I Ever, and the new updated take on Velma, you know, from the Scooby-Doo world, kind of an adult animated cartoon of Velma on HBO Max. Yeah, there's so much content. And I will say, as a South Asian woman, I'm Sri Lankan, she's Indian, that there's a little kind of, you go, girl, you get it, you do this. And she was very much a trailblazer. Absolutely. I mean, I think whenever you have someone that is from a different culture, we want to raise and elevate those voices to hear that. So that it isn't always the same voice that we hear time and time again. If someone like Mindy is a writer and a creator, I want to hear her stories. I want to know more about that. And I think lately, now that we've seen a few projects from her, people are calling into question, well, how is she writing her lead characters, whether she's acting in them, voicing them, or just writing them? Some people are kind of calling out. She's leaning into stereotypes, whether it's on Velma or it's Never Have I Ever. I was watching some of Velma, and it's a kind of a cringeworthy show. I mean, it's very much an adult cartoon. Don't just think Scooby-Doo, this is great for kids. It's an adult series. And the way that she writes Velma, she also voices Velma, is kind of leaning into stereotypes. Some of her critics have talked about how it's about having a dorky, self-absorbed character, leaning into how she looks, different culture things other characters are commenting on and talking about. And is that the kind of language that we want to be using? I think people are really kind of calling that into question. Now, I'm not an Indian woman, so I feel like I don't necessarily can talk about how she portrays her culture and her background, but other people are, so it's worth a conversation of how is she writing this. Well, here's what I'm going to ask you as a film critic and uh, entertainment reporter. Sometimes it feels like because she is 
a minority and there aren't a lot of people who look like her doing what she's doing to the level of success she's had. Now, all of a sudden, everyone wants to lump everybody or everything that's South Asian or South Asian female on Mindy. And what I'll say to you is I'm not insulted by Mindy. Mindy's writing her truth. She's creating her characters. She's the executive producer as well as the lead in Velma. So why can't she just be judged like any other actor or artist? I think sometimes we are quick to have one person be the sole voice for a community. And I think sometimes we it, people in a community can be the harshest against it. And I can speak of that on the gay community. You know, we have people like Billy Eichner writing Bros, Joel Kim Booster and Bowen Yang writing Fire Island, uh, Michael Asiello in his book Spoiler Alert, all different looks at gay community and gay life. And they all have kind of been hit at with difference. Well, that's not what my life is like. So I'm going to go and slam that. It's like, well, but it could be my life or it could be someone else's life. And I think we need more voices instead of slamming them down. It's like Mindy is just one voice. How can we rise up other voices in the Indian culture to say, that's one perspective. Here's another. I often feel like we are finding that minorities are held to a much higher standard than white people are. I think we too often are giving white people a pass for either being stereotypes or calling out stereotypes, and then it's easy to latch onto a minority and bring them down when that's not always the right situation. And let me just say, Paul, you know, there are so many white people in Hollywood. Some are terrible and some are great. And, you know, and we just review them as good or bad. And that's what I'm saying. We're going to be at the best place culturally and when we talk about equity, when we can just hold her up for her work. If it's truly good work, let's give her credit for that. If it's cringeworthy and you don't like it, don't watch it. Don't watch it. Yeah, exactly. Well, human nature, people love to see people get taken down. Just as much as in America, we love a comeback story. So how much of that is playing into the Mindy Kalin stuff? I think people love a takedown because I think sometimes it makes us feel better about ourselves. If someone else can be taken down, I think we think that it adds power if we lend our voice to it. Well, I'm going to show how smart I am because I'm going to have an opinion about this when maybe it's not our fight to be a part of. Or maybe it's not my culture. Or maybe it's not this. Why are we so quick to point that out if it's not something? Like, I am very cautious of when I'm speaking out about something if it's not my fight to be a part of. Just to bring up the gay community, if there's something dealing with that, if it's whether it's a politics, whether it's something about policy, administration, I will voice that because that's affecting my life, my family. But if it's something else that's like, I don't think I have a horse in this race, I might be quick to just watch and educate myself and listen to other voices that have an opinion versus just latching on to something. I think we too often don't do that. I think too often we want to quick have a voice, make it seem as if I'm intelligent or talking about something that's important because that's what other people in my circle are doing. But I think sometimes the power is sitting back and educating ourselves first before voicing our opinion. The real danger for me with all the cancel culture stuff, and look, this is not a new concept, but if we think about in our nation around the country, statues coming down, flags coming down, I think we can all agree we don't want a Confederate flag flying in any state house. But the fact of the matter is, and I will say, I don't have the hugest problem with some of the statues because guess what? Whatever era that was, that person, often a white male, but let's just say that person did something to deem worthy a statue. And maybe that something helped hundreds or thousands of people. So sitting here in the 2020s, I don't have a huge problem with those statues because I think we do need to learn and can't eradicate our history. Now, a recent quote from Kate Blanchett, star of Tar, 
Oscar-winning actress, she says the risk of cancel culture is that we aren't necessarily just giving healthy criticism. We're just canceling. And Mindy has even said, in today's time, the office probably couldn't even exist because it's not politically correct. So sometimes art is just art. There are things that are just funny. I don't want to attack people or be culturally or sexually intolerant or insensitive, but sometimes something is just funny or just beautiful. And I think that's where the cancel culture is an issue for me, Paul. Again, what I always like to try to do is look at it situation by situation, case by case, who is the person that we're talking about. And if it's statues, this is something we've talked about in our house a little bit. Statues, they are in public places. They can sometimes be taken out of context or they don't know the history. They're out on the street, they're in a park, and people walk by, they may not know. And the people that do know are then affected by that. So then I think, well, then what is the point of having that in a town square if it's just going to cause more harm, if, if the people that know who that person is then are harmed by that? Or is that statue or is that image better in a museum setting? There's some context you can have a write-up on the wall. Right. Now, I, you know, we talk about sometimes comedy is a big thing. Comedians say, I, I'm too afraid to tell this joke. I'm going to get canceled. Mark Maron had a really good point the other day. I was like, if your comedy is that brash or that foul that you don't even know how to be funny without harming or insulting or offending someone, that maybe you need to take a look at what you deem funny. There are comedians out there that are being held to a higher standard now. Dave Chappelle frequently makes transphobic jokes. He makes jokes against the gay community. And people sometimes give him a pass. People are like, it's just a joke. We can forgive him. Well, not really. Nope, I don't need to watch his comedy anymore because it's hurtful and harmful to people in my community. So I'm not going to watch his specials. I'm not going to promote them. We're seeing that right now with J.K. Rowling. She's very adamant about her opinions on the trans community. So I don't need to spend my money on a new Harry Potter game or a new Harry Potter Fantastic Beasts movie. It's how do we take these things? Is the person adamant about their beliefs? Did they learn from it? Because then there's people that just double down. They're like, I know what I said. I don't care. I'm going to keep doing it. And it's like, okay, you did not learn from your mistake. You did not learn how hurtful or harmful this was. And you don't care. Right. And I think the doubling down doesn't make sense. And I do agree with you that, you know, if you're not funny enough to come up with something that isn't so hurtful, maybe you should find another profession. However, you did make a very good point on the marketplace of ideas. Where you spend your money, you get to choose. Okay. Right. If you don't like something, then don't watch it. Don't spend your money on it. And don't go on social media and trash because then you're also giving more attention to it. Right. You know, the thing with J.K. Rowling sometimes is that it's a double-edged sword. You kind of want to silence them because then they don't have a voice if you silence them. But if you silence, then part of me is like, well, am I being okay with it? Well, and silencing is a challenge in our country because there is freedom of speech and expression. And if we believe that for one group, we should believe it for others as long as someone's not being killed in that moment, right? So it's a slippery slope. But that's the whole thing about both civil rights, the rights for ideas, and censorship of ideas is also where we get a little crazy. You know, I think some people think that that doesn't mean that we can just run our mouth. I think some of the people think, oh, freedom of speech. I can say whatever I want, no matter where I am, no matter what platform, no matter what we do. I can run my mouth. It's fine. 
No, because there are still consequences. You could lose your job because of it, because that's a horrible look on your company. Or people won't want to associate with you if you are saying horrible things, racist things. And that could be someone at work. That could be a family member. There are people that I just don't deal with anymore due to horrible things that they have said online that I do not agree with. And I don't have time. I don't have time to deal with them just because they are a family or they're this person or I've encountered them there. You're saying horrible things that are awful. I don't need to spend my time. So we make choices about our own consumption and we make choices about how we're going to spend money or not on their products or services or movies or whatnot. What is your opinion in what's going to happen with Mindy Kaling since that's where we started this conversation? Do you think she'll get to do her art or do you think she's going to have to start doing self-editing? I think she may do some self-editing. I don't see her being canceled by any means. I think that there may be a light on her now of like, okay, if you're going to keep writing these characters, how are you going to write them? You know, people may not want to tune in, but I think she is someone that is far less... Dangerous. Dangerous in what she does than other people, whether it's an Ezra Miller, an Alec Baldwin, some sports figures. You know, I think we need to look at them all individually. What do they do? Dave Chappelle, J.K. Rowling, like... What is the bigger picture here? What is the audience? Who is consuming this? And how deeply effective? Right. It's definitely a topic that won't go away. Thanks to Paul McGuire Grimes for his analysis. Want more Paul? Go to his site, Paul's Trip to the Movies. Today's Crisis Brief is brought to you by Spoke 612 Productions. Number one. Don't jump on the bandwagon. Banish your inner middle school bully and consider whether you need to weigh in on every social media controversy. Number two, is there an explanation for the situation? Whether it's someone you know or a celebrity, there could be more to the story than what you read. Find out before you judge. Number three, no one is perfect. You don't have to agree with someone else's choice. People in the arts often make choices meant to provoke. If comedic freedom and artistic expression are squashed, we risk losing insight and enlightenment. But never a good look to be offensive, just to offend. Spoke 612 Productions takes your ideas and brings them to life. Linda, Sarah, and Matt are committed to excellence and inclusivity. As a WeBank-certified women-owned production company, Spoke 612 inspires awareness and delivers impact through storytelling. When you put your project in their hands, Spoke 612 draws on their own talents and experience to ensure they tell the best possible version of your story. Visit their portfolio at Spoke612.com. Thank you to our podcast producer, Kim Inslee, and our audio genius, Tom Hamilton of Undertone Music. Catch up on all case files at thecrisisfiles.com for the show archive plus special videos. Subscribe to our YouTube page on thecrisisfiles.com. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at The Crisis Files. I'm Roshini Rajkumar. Join me next time on The Crisis Files.